Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And as we wrap up uh, 2013, we're going to take you back for just a few minutes here to uh, 2009, where we had the pleasure of speaking to Donald Dell, who's a sports marketing pioneer, serving up advice on business relationships and negotiation strategy. You're going to learn more about Donald here in just a moment. The advertising show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at age.com, the advertising show is powered by Shipple, that's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com, a platform called Tenancy that's really good. Check it out at Shipple.com. Advertising show, a copyrighted big radio midget production. Let's get this uh, party started. Let me tell you something about our author of the book uh, today. Uh, never, never make the first offer. Uh, wisdom from a master deal maker, Donald Dell, founder of ProServe, but he's also the co-founder of the Association of Tennis Professionals and the founder of ProServe, a leading sports agency that has represented hundreds of star athletes. Yeah, the big ones. He's also a former captain of the U.S. Davis Cup tennis team, the founder of the Leg Mason Tennis Classic, and a television tennis commentator. He was elected uh, to the International Tennis Hall of Fame in 2009. All in all, with the new book and that election, it was a good year for Donald Dell, who co-authored this book along with uh, uh, John Boswell. So um, we'll talk with uh, the Donald. No, he doesn't want to be called the Donald. There's only one, the Donald. So Donald Dell will be our guest today. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. On the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, as promised, the author of a book called Never Make the First Offer, Except When You Should, Wisdom from a Master Dealmaker. And that gentleman is Donald Dell, founder of ProServe. And we told you a little bit about Donald, but we're going to learn a lot more uh, during these three segments with him here with Ray and Brad on the advertising show. Donald, a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for having me. It'll be fun. Yeah, we well, you don't know that yet, Donald, but we certainly hope it will be fun. Uh, <laughs> It'll be fun for us. Yeah. Totally, uh, very much honored that you had uh, taken time out of your day to, to join us, uh, and very, very interesting read. We receive a lot of books here at the Advertising Show, and we don't have authors on unless we find their book uh, a cut above, and yours is certainly all that and more. Really love the way that you uh, have real-world examples and, and mention uh, celebrities and well-known sports figures uh, in your book uh, as examples and, and takeaways for learning uh, opportunities. But before we do that, Donald, your take on Andre Agassi's new book. Well, I think Andre <clears throat> tried very much to write an honest, uh, as he put it, open book. My only regret is that, you know, he didn't write the book. I mean, he had a person who wrote the book that he acknowledges and thanks at the end of the book, the last two pages of his book, and he's a Pulitzer Prize-winning author, not Andre, but the person who wrote the book. And I thought he should have put his name you know, on the cover of the book uh, because it's a little misleading, and you don't get to that until the end of the book. And he claims that the author's Knopf uh, wouldn't let him do that or didn't want it, the, the, the ghost 
writer on the cover. I just think that's misleading. The book itself, I think Andre tried to tell everything in his life as he grew up and went through tennis. And I think part of it was he was being pushed a lot uh, to sell books, which I think is a mistake. But uh, it seemed to have been very, very well received, although in the business about crystal meth, the uh, drug and stuff that he was taking when he was very discouraged, you know, that was 17 years ago, and yet that, that got the biggest uh, controversy and coverage, which is, I guess, the sign of the times. And I don't think he's very happy about that and didn't expect that, but I think his publisher did. I think they thought it would sell, sell copies. And, uh, maybe they did, maybe, but, you know, that, that disappointed me, frankly. That, that he made the drug reference? Well, no, that it, just the, the way the, the thing unfolded. I mean, here's a guy who had a great career, and he's done a lot of things. Good, and he opens by saying, I hate tennis, and my father made me play, and I hate, I hated, you know, when he made me play. And it's sort of the first part is very negative as he goes through his life, worried about losing his hair, and he played with a hair piece. Yeah. I don't know, all that seemed awfully um, sensational-oriented, but... And maybe I'm mistaken. I, that seems to be the sign of the times. Yeah. Did you did you know Andre personally? I know him very well, and he sent me a copy of his book, autographed in the mail. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, he's a very, very good guy, a very decent guy, and the last ten years of his life have been phenomenal. Uh, what he's done for this academy out in Las Vegas. I mean, right. He literally has raised probably about seventy-five million dollars for the school. Wow. I've been to the school, and I've seen the kids in uniforms, and. Uh, it is a tremendous occasion and achievement what he's done. Well, let's get into your book, and uh, I knew you'd have something to say about Andre's book. And uh, let's let's jump into your book, uh, Donald. Although the book is about negotiations and developing successful business relationships, what audience did you have in mind when you wrote your book? Well, I, I thought it was sort of twofold. One is probably someone between uh, eighteen and thirty-five. One trying to get a job in, in different industries, primarily the sports industry or the television industry. Uh, and the other would be an audience of people who are already established and are, are just starting out in a career they've selected and trying to be helpful uh, in what they might be thinking about and approaching uh, negotiating deals or you know getting a job and working with others and relationships. So I think there were two different audiences. So, what parallels do you make from, or do you take from uh, tennis and sports in general uh, to business? Of course, you were on the business side of, of sports, and you were also on the sports side of sports. So, the parallels—how do you see those? Well, a couple things. I think you know, I really tried to give real life stories and truthful anecdotes uh, to leave you know different points and messages in both negotiations and in relationships, but. Also, I think, you know, I played Wimbledon seven or eight times. I played the U.S. Open in America here about 15 times. And I think tennis is a unique sport because it's an individual sport, like golf. You know, you're out there on your own. Nobody can help you. You can't call timeout if you're playing badly. You can't substitute another player in or exchange different. You know, you're out there by yourself. And so as a young kid learning to play, I think, you know, you learn – the values of really competing and discipline and training and working hard if you're dedicated uh, in trying to be the best player, you know, of your age group. And uh, when I was 15, I was a national champion in America, 15 and under. So I really worked, you know, five, six hours a day at tennis, two in the morning and two after school every single day that I could. But it taught me an awful lot, I think, about self-reliance and 
confidence and being on your own because it, the individual sport of tennis or golf is so different uh, from team sports because there's nobody to help you if you're playing loud. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, would it be fair to say you were one of the pioneers in the sport agent business? Well, I think I certainly was possibly in the sports industry and the sports representation. I started representing tennis players in 1970, Arthur Ashe and Stan Smith. They were my first two clients. At that stage, the game of tennis had just gone open, open tennis, meaning pros and amateurs, to compete against each other in 1969. So in 70 January, I resigned from the Davis Cup team as captain and started managing players. And I was the first person in tennis anywhere in the world that, you know, represented or managed or was the lawyer for a tennis player. Yeah, so in th- that case, I did start very much at the beginning. I think your your background, your legal background was the perfect setup for that. And we're going to no uh, we're going to talk about the uh, what I found very interesting was the uh, 10 rules that you lay out in your book uh, about power networking, which is also important. And we're going to do that in just a second. Though. Subtitle called Show Me the Money, right? Something <laughs> like that. Never make the first offer. Donald Dell, founder of ProServe, author of the book you just heard about. And it's Ray Brad here on the Advertising Show. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. I drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud. I used to be alone in a crowd. But now you look around these days. On the Advertising Show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and a special guest out of Washington, D.C., Donald Dell, who is the author of Never Make the First Offer, except when you should, it says, Wisdom from a Master Dealmaker here, uh, with Ray and Brad. And, you know, as we uh, produce this program, you can't go uh, a headline or two or anywhere you go without uh, hearing about uh, Tiger Woods and the debacle that he's gotten himself into as a representative and a specialist in the sports industry. And I think he's represented by somebody out of Cleveland. I'm not sure. There you go. That's a problem. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, Donald, what, uh, okay, you got Tiger Woods there. What, what, do you, what do you do for somebody like that? Well, I, you mean in the situation he finds himself in now? Absolutely. Well, I think one of the problems, you know, you can always be a Monday morning quarterback. It's kind of easy after the fact, but... I think they made a really strategic mistake right at the beginning yeah. uh, by not coming out, you know, the, the day of the car accident, talk about what caused the car accident, and, and not have... What happened was he didn't speak to anybody for three or four days except on his website, and then it became a battle of innuendos and uh, all the different, you know, blogs and Facebook and all of that went, uh, went ahead and just... Uh, you know, guessed at what was going on or what they thought, or was his wife mad at him, or was was he cheating on his wife, and all this was innuendo. Nobody knew any of the facts. And suddenly, people started popping up here and there. Some One woman says, I'm hiring Gloria Allred, and then she flies to L.A. to meet her lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, they haven't even identified what the problem was when he hit a, you know, when he hit a tree. I, I just think they, they let events really take control rather than them coming out and trying to say, they should have come right out an hour after it occurred or whenever he was well the next morning and said, here's what happened. You know, we yeah. had an argument, and I ran out, to, jumped in the car, and rushed out and smashed into a tree. I mean, I'm sure yeah. other people have done that, but suddenly it became, you know, because Tiger Woods is the number one athlete, most recognizable person in the whole world. 
And so, uh, you know, they really lost totally control of the event. So is this damage beyond control then, uh, beyond repair? Well, I think, no, you know, the American public's funny. As long as Tiger can keep winning, next time he wins Augusta, (laughs) the next time he wins the U.S. Open, no one's going to be worried about it. Forget about it. Yeah, that's it. They won't totally, people won't forget about the character of the person so much, but they will forget about, you know, all the different press and things that have been written about him. I think it's hurt his reputation and his character in a lot of ways that are very damning and very damaging, which is a shame because he's a phenomenal athlete, but obviously uh, he's been living a double life. Yeah, and when Chris Brown can release uh, new music and be in the top five videos for MTV after what he did, I mean, look at uh, the world we live in. Let's let's jump back into your book. Out of the ten uh, rules that you lay out in your book called the power networking, uh, some obvious ones, making friends, making friends of their friends, find mentors. You want some of this advice, folks, uh, go buy the book. But two in particular I'd like to, to hear you talk about, Donald, is give advice as well as more intriguing don't keep score. Well, I think, you know, give advice as you try. I get a lot of phone calls from people, parents mostly, saying, my son doesn't know or my daughter doesn't know uh, what they want to do. They're graduating from college or they graduate from law school. They love sports. They're thinking about sports. Would you at least talk to them on the phone? Or if, they, if I know the family well, would you meet with them? And just give them some advice. And uh, that's easy to do. It's, it's time-consuming. But on the other hand, I have a simple thought about that. If you're nice to somebody's child, you own the parents. I, you, you know, the parents really appreciate you're taking the time to help their children. And as I say in the, throughout the book, life is all about relationships. Uh, that's the number one thing in the world. I, I teach a course at the University of Virginia Law School. And the first class, 10 minutes in, every year now, I start 10 minutes into the class and I say to the students, look, if you don't read a case, if you don't come to class, if you never see me again, if you don't learn anything from this class, remember two words. And the two words are relationships and trust. If you can develop relationships with people and hopefully build trust on your relationships and in your relationships, you're going to be a success. And I truly believe that. I think you, people skills and getting along with others is really what life is all about in every level, whether it's business, whether it's athletics, whether it's religion, whatever it is. I, I really believe it's relationships uh, and, and working with people, other people that you come in contact with. I think that's well said. And by the way, just to show you we listen to uh, your advice, I wanted to ask about Alexand- Alexandria as well as Christina. How are your two daughters doing now? <laughs> My two daughters are doing great. One of them just got married uh, October the 3rd. Uh, and she's very happy. They're getting a new apartment, he, she and her husband, in New York. Uh, and the, pre, the other uh, young girl, uh, Alexandra, works in a film company and, and does production and films and is working a lot with us now in New York uh, as an independent contractor bringing us films and projects. And you're based in New York, by the way, now, Donald? Well, my, my headquarters is in Washington, but we have offices in New York and Los Angeles and other places. So I'm in New York quite a lot. I'm here today, for example, in New York. Not a bad place to be. On the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, our guest is Donald Dell, founder of ProServe and also co-author of the book called Never Make the First Offer. We need to give your co-author, John Boswell, uh, some accolades as well. Wisdom from a master deal maker. We've got another segment to do with Donald, and we'll do that here in just a moment. If you stick around, we'd appreciate that.
simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for four. Back with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show and out of Washington, D.C. this weekend, it's Donald Dell, co-author of the book Never Make the First Offer. I want to get a website as well. Donald Dell, D-E-L-L dot com is the, is the website. Donald, it's a pleasure to have you here at The Advertising Show. Thanks for me. I'm enjoying it. You note in your book, Donald, uh, you can't force a friendship just as you can't force a deal. You give anecdotal uh, evidence of this uh, through a very interesting story about uh, Nike CEO Phil Knight. Share that with our audience, if you would, please, Donald. Well, I just think, you know, when you're trying to make a deal with somebody, uh, Phil Knight and I had a relationship that we met. uh, I knew him before, but we went to a tennis match in Rome. It rained, and we were with our wives, and so we went over and had lunch. While it was raining, well, it rained about five hours that particular day, and we all had lunch and stayed on and had drinks, and we finished about five o'clock in the afternoon. But throughout the long day there, we, we got to know each other pretty well. A month or two later, I was negotiating with Phil for the uh, uh, Michael Jordan shoe, uh, Air Jordan, and uh, he was having problems and arguing with several people in my office, and so I called him up and said, Phil, let's make a deal that we'll go to Chicago, we'll get a suite, uh, and we'll get two bedrooms. You be in one, I'll be another. And we we agree that we won't leave Chicago until we work out a deal, uh, no matter what happens. And we had some disagreements at first, and we did stay about a, about three quarters of a day, part of a night. And we nobody left, and we finally made the deal. And it was a very successful one for both Nike uh, and Michael Jordan. In fact, after that uh, initial contract, years a few years later. Uh, the Nike Air Jordan was so successful that they started, Nike got very creative, and they started a new division called Jordan Inc., which was named after Michael Jordan. That company today is selling about $800 million worth of product, Hello. and Michael Jordan's quite happy with it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And, and so is your accountant based on the you know points you're getting on that deal, huh, Donald? <laughs> the role the role that Jordan gets is quite staggering. Yeah. Donald bought a new boat that year. I want I want to get your take on uh, uh, what you call negotiating backwards. It sounds uh, counterintuitive, but yet you've got a, a great thought on that, Donald. Well, I think you know if you want to decide, you decide ahead of time where you'd like to end up in a particular deal. And then you work back from that. In other words, you don't just go forward and say, well, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. You come at it a different way. And one of the ways you do that is you ask the other person, what do they need to make the deal? You know, deal-making is really an art of listening. Mm-hmm. Most people don't understand that. Selling is an art of listening. Why? Because you learn so much by listening. That's why I gave the title of the book, Never Make the First Offer. Not because I was trying to be cute or clever, but because if the other person comes forward and sort of commits or states what he's looking for in the deal or what he wants out of the deal, you learn a ton right at the beginning. 
And I think that's very helpful. Let's say you know what uh, the other party's wanting, and you're, and they come back with their offer because they were up front and and uh, suggesting, in a general sense, what they were wanting from you, and then they come back with the offer, and it's less than what you wanted. Is would it be fair to say that it would uh, that it would be appropriate to say, let me explain to you what I need in order to make this deal? I mean, do you jump right into the end, as you say? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I even in the book call it the moment of truth. When I say to the other side, well, wait a minute, my client's not going to accept that. But here's what we, I've listened to you, I know what you need out of the deal, I've now got your offer, here's what we need out of the deal. And then you state what you need to make a deal. Let's make it simple. Let's suppose uh, my client is a team sport player, basketball player, and he want, in the NBA, and he wants a four-year deal, and they're at two years. And I say to them, look, I can't, and he's a high draft pick, so I have some leverage. I say to him, look, I can't make a two-year deal. I need to make a four-year deal, and here's why. Now, at that moment of truth, when you commit yourself to that response, either the person you're negotiating with believes you or does not, and that's what I call the moment of truth. If he believes you, or when he does that to you and he says, no, my owner won't pay more than X, that's the maximum he's going to pay, if you believe him, Again, that's a different, that's the other side of the moment of truth. But if you do have that relationship with the guy and you believe him or he believes you, you're going to make the deal. And that's why, you know, reputation and integrity and all of those things that go in. The sports industry is a very small industry. And you deal with these same people many times, not just once or twice in your life particularly when you've been around a long time, as I have. And so you know these same people, they know you, and you have a track record. And so when you take the position that this is really where I have to come out if you want to make this particular deal, they've either got to believe you're not. And as I said early on in the book, you have to be able to walk away from the deal, too. That's the hardest thing of all negotiations. Hardest when thing? You can't reach, when you can't reach that moment, you say, I'm sorry, I can't do the deal. No. Thanks very much. And you walk away. Hardest thing I've been able to convince my wife of as well, and it's cost me a fortune. As we wrap up uh, today's interview, I have one final question. You stress the importance of mentors uh, early on in your book and actually throughout your book. However, as one of the first sports agents, you probably didn't have many role models. I'm curious, Donald, uh, who were your mentors? Well, I had two that I, that I really admired. Sergeant Shriver, I worked for him in 67 and 68. Uh, Sergeant Shriver was running the Peace Corps for Lyndon Johnson. Then he was running OEO, the Office of Economic Opportunity. I traveled with him as his assistant for about 18 months. He had maybe the greatest people skills and ability to deal with all kinds of problems in Congress and budgets and so forth of anybody ever met. In the tennis and sports world, uh, my mentor was Jack Kramer, uh, the great tennis player and promoter from Southern California, who incidentally just died uh, September 26th of this year. Jack was, died at 88, was a lifelong friend, and taught me an awful lot about uh, different people and different situations, and not just tennis, but about life. As we wrap up the interview, uh, Donald, we want to thank you for, uh, first of all, writing a great book. If you want to make 2010 a little bit different and a little bit more successful for you, go get the book. Never make the first offer. Wisdom from a master deal maker, and it is Donald Dell. And, uh, Donald, thanks for being with us today on The Advertising Show. Well, Brad and Ray, thank you. I really enjoyed this discussion. 
And as we say uh, goodbye to 2013, I hope it's been a good year for you. Uh, I, I sincerely do. It's been a great year for us here at the Advertising Show. And, of course, uh, uh, Brad and, and, and me wanted to say uh, a Happy New Year to you a little early. All right? Thanks so much for supporting the show. After all these many years, it is still a joy to bring these great guests to you here at the Advertising Show. Being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production, and we'll talk to you next year. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.